do what I'm passionate about and do what I love and monetize it. That's my purpose. And then teach other people how to do that. That's my purpose, period. Like, there's nothing else in around it. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, welcome to the Purposeful Story Podcast. Today we have Antui Otohene on the show. This guy is an arsenal. He has an arsenal of a resume. He was Toronto, born and raised. Um, Ghanaian parents, Ghanaian background. Played basketball at Arizona State. And he basically developed his own lifestyle brand called Nor to Nor, correct? Yes, sir. And, um, you know, he does event planning. He's a creative director and he's just, I, I think he's, the perfect term is basketball connoisseur. Like yeah. that's the perfect term for you, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. No worries. Um, so like I said, you were born in Toronto. Yes. Which high school did you go to? I'm with, I went to Father Andy Carr. Um, first it was Marion Academy. Okay. Um, in Rexdale. And then we, our last year, we merged with Father Andy Carr because our school shut down. Um, and we became Father Andy Carr by itself. Okay. A lot of basketball players came out of there, man. Yeah, you know what? Um, starting out when we were at Marion Academy, we kind of started our whole way. Before then, we weren't really looked at as a school that had basketball players. Um, my year was myself, Theo Davis, um, Jermaine Simons, Kershaw Carter, and a bunch of other players that we were able to acquire um, a Nike sponsorship because we were playing really well in Toronto and in America. And um, from there, kind of led on the wave of kind of building Father Andy Carr into this basketball powerhouse that it is now. So we kind of led the way for that. Okay. Okay. And, you know, Toronto, it, it doesn't get the um, respect. Well, I think back then it didn't get the respect it did now for basketball. Um, like, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I feel a lot of older guys um, who are like the veterans or my age or older, sometimes they kind of, um, they have, they're upset about it. I'm mm -hmm. happy for it because someone has to break the doors down. A lot of us are first-generation Canadians. Our parents are from abroad. So basketball, for us, is a new sport. I think the Raptors came in 1995. Yeah. So before, it's, it's a hockey nation. So it took a while for everyone to adjust, not just us, but our American counterparts, where they looked at us in the beginning as, you guys are just hockey players or you're soft. And so a lot of us, um, like myself, Dennis Brown, Javon Shepard, Jermaine Anderson, even people before us, Jamal McGlores, the Colin Charles, we kind of broke those doors down and let them know like we have a lot of talent in Canada or in Toronto per se that can match up and dominate in America. So it's always there. It's just now people know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Now there's eyeballs on it. And now, mm -hmm. and now once you see that you can make it out, now the kid who is in the second generation and he's eight, nine years old, he knows he can be the next number one player in the, in the draft. For mm -hmm. us, we're just trying to get a division one scholarship. We didn't see anybody look like us who had a, NBA contract who got drafted until afterwards. So mm -hmm. that's why it's, it's hope kind of like, um, the first person who ran the four minute mile before then, no one ran a four minute mile. After that's one true. person ran a four minute mile, there's 355 people ran a four minute mile now. It's the same thing, same connotation. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, what was it like in high school for you as a kid? Like, were you like, yo, I just gotta be, make it to the NBA? Like, what was your mentality like? Well, my man, first off, growing up in a Ghanaian house, it was always education first. Um, and that's where 
my my parents and I weren't seeing eye to eye because I always wanted to put most of my energy into basketball. Um, it was a point where they didn't want me to play basketball at all because they didn't understand what basketball was. I'm telling them I can get a free education from this, and they didn't understand. So my whole mentality first growing up was, let me prove my parents wrong, mm. or let me make my parents understand what my goal is. Um, I was blessed to have an older brother who was three years older than me um, who started playing basketball at an early age, so I'd hang around with him. Um, so most of the time when I was playing, I wasn't playing against high school players. I was really playing against guys in college. So I'd go from my high school practice in 10th grade. i will go to Humber College right after and play with the college team. So I'll practice from 4 to 5, 30. Then I'll ride my bike straight to Humber College or I'll take the bus, which is like a 10-minute bus ride to play against the college team, which was the best team in Toronto at the time. Mm-hmm. So my mentality in high school was never to be even amongst the high school guys. I always felt like I was above those guys, always. Even when I wasn't even ranked as high, I'd look at them like, I'm really playing against college guys. You guys have no chance against me. Mm-hmm. So it was, it just took the media around me to catch up. Like the Toronto Sun, the Toronto Star, Hoops, Hooptown GTA. Shout out to them. Um, Hooptown GTA. Yeah, yeah. When they had a 25 point club, yeah. I remember just like telling myself, okay, I'm just going to get 25 points every night until somebody notices. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even my game, but I made sure I did it. So my mentality in high school was just to dominate, like kill everybody. Cause mm-hmm. I realized I was playing with college guys when I was in 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So if you're in high school, you really don't have no chance. That's what I thought. And it was NBA was the was the main goal, but my main goal was first in those dives was get a college scholarship, mm-hmm. play college division one basketball, be able to see my my last name on the back of a of a uniform and um be on TV. That was my goal. Okay. Right. And why do you think where do you think that comes from with, with I have Ghanaian parents mm-hmm. too. Um but where do you think that comes from where they don't want to invest as much in um kids' sports. It's more so education. Like, where do you well, think that comes from? It comes from the upbringing. Um, in Ghana, as you know, or, or, or our parents are from, for them, um, even if they're in a impoverished environment, it's, it's education first. And education is what usually leads them to get out of the poverty environment. My father, per se, um, he spoke, speaks nine different languages, and he was a wow. master at French. And wow. French got him a scholarship to go to Paris mm-hmm. at a young age to teach French in Paris. So their mentality in Ghana or in Africa or a lot of third world countries is your educate you can get an educational scholarship to get out of here to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, et cetera, versus basketball is not really the sport that's gonna get you out of this environment. They don't know what it is. But now parents are more educated because they see what has happened. And just to give my parents credit, after they understood what was happening, like when Tom Izzo and Jim Beheim are coming to my house in Rexdale. They understood, okay, this is real. They completely switched 360 and supported me the whole way till now. Mm-hmm. So the main thing is just showing them. And I feel like it's harder for a younger generation kids to talk to their parents. But I always kept a great line of communication with my parents. I always told them, this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, just stand back. It was nothing, I wasn't doing nothing illegal. As long as I'm not going to jail, I'm not doing anything illegal. They're, they're behind it without even telling me. So I just let them know, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to accomplish it. And they seen I was really hard working at that. Okay. So now parents, they're picking it up now. A lot of the younger parents from different countries, they're starting to let their, their kids venture out and do things that they want to do and create their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you left high school and you went to, you got a scholarship? Yeah. At which, which college? So first I got a scholarship to Rutgers University in New Jersey. Um, I had an issue with the clearinghouse um, with my test score and... Um, the numbers of my GPA adding up in a different way because of my Canadian summer school, something I did in like 10th grade. 
So I wasn't able to enroll in Rutgers. Um, because of that, I had to go to a junior college in Texas for a year and a half. Supposed to be for two years, but I went there for a year and a half and I graduated a two year program in one year mm-hmm. in order for me to spend three years at Arizona State University. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that was D1. D1. Yeah. Okay. How yeah. was that experience for uh, you? The experience, probably the best experience of my life. I got to be around, not just the basketball standpoint. The basketball standpoint could have been much better because, um, the coach that, Recruited me there, got fired the year I came. So wow. after one year of playing with my coach that recruited me there, they fired the whole staff. And going in there, I, I, I was the newcomer here in the Pac-10. I led the Pac-10 in assists. That's with Russell Westbrook, Darren Collison, Jordan Farmer, Brandon, all these guys. I led the Pac-10 assists. Had about three game winners that year. I was like number 24 in the mock draft. So like the goal was right there. And then they fired my coaching staff and wow. they brought a whole new staff in. And a lot of people who aren't very educated on college basketball, when they bring in a whole new coaching staff, the staff is not going to mess with you, period, because you're not their player. So, and I just transferred from a junior college. So it's like, I'm going to be a junior and you have a new coaching staff. And if I transfer, I lose another year, which makes me a year older and then have to find the right fit and start over again. So I elected to stay at Arizona State and it was, it was a great choice, um, for, for a great life choice mm-hmm. versus basketball because the lessons I learned at Arizona State has brought me where I am today. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world, but that experience was amazing. Um, seeing different people every single day, networking, building relationships, being able to play on the big stage. Um, great weather. I missed four or five winters living in Arizona. So <laughs> my birthday is in December. So I'll be dressed, dressed down in December. So it was an amazing experience. I still, it's like a, my second home. I'm, I just left in Arizona two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So. It was, it was a great experience. I feel like with basketball, man, there's such a small window. Like, and I'm sure you've come across great players who had NBA potential, but they just weren't put in the night right scenarios. Like, timing is a big piece of it. Yeah, you know what? Timing is everything. Um, th- there's a very, very small window um, to be successful, and a lot of people think it's bigger. Um, timing is very, very key, and putting yourself in the right situation and being ready when your when your time comes. That's the main thing. A lot of guys don't have people around them to help them be ready to. Mm-hmm. A lot of basketball players grow up in a yes environment. I, I, I say that to say people around them is tell them yes because they're so good at one thing. So they never heard no before. So the, the first time they hear no from anyone, they, they crumble, don't know what to do. So that in itself is like hindering a lot of these players who, when you see, may have a, were big time in high school, they get to college, they hear no for the first time, you don't hear from them. Or they were great in college, get to the NBA, they hear no for the first time and they're, they're gone. So a lot of them, a lot of young basketball players haven't dealt with adversity on the court, maybe off the court, but on the court wise, they haven't dealt with it. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very small window. Okay. Yeah. Um, what NBA players did you, um, play with, uh, in college or even go against? Okay. Uh, well, in, in my conference, um, first, um, on my team, I had Ike Diagu, I had James Harden, I had Jeff Ayers. Um, Kevin Kruger, who's a coach, assistant coach at Oklahoma right now. But in the conference when I was there, we had the Pac-10 was the best conference. So there's Kevin Love, um, Darren Collison, Russell Westbrook, Brandon Roy, Nate Robinson. Um, the list goes on. Leon Poe, Allende Ibaka, OJ Mayo, DeMar DeRozan, Taj Gibson, Nick Young. Um, every team had four or five NBA players. Jared Bayless, Chase Budinger, um, Andre Iguodala, Channing Fry, Salim Stoudemire. So the list goes on. Yeah. Every every team you played had four or five NBA guys. Literally, the starting five was. And a lot of these guys didn't even start making the NBA. 
So Andre Godala was a six man. He made the NBA. Like a lot of these guys didn't even start under college teams during the NBA now. Like 13, 14 year careers. So mm. competition was heavy. Yeah. 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 100%. And, um, I mean, you, you coming from that background, I, I find like people who are, who have athletic backgrounds, like having that competitive nature and growing up in that competitive environment. When you come into, when you try to start a business now, it's a lot, maybe not easier, but you're able to maybe thrive in that environment a bit more because you have that competitive nature built up over time. Yeah, Would you say I, that that's, I agree in terms of learning to harness your competitive nature and use your transferable traits from basketball and or sports to business is when you get it. Cause a lot of guys don't know how to transfer those traits. Like being a basketball player, you gotta, you have to have discipline. You have to wake up early. You have to be a team player. I mean, you have to learn the plays. You have to communicate. You got to tell someone when the screen is coming. All these things are transferable traits to the business world. You got to wake up for meetings. You got to be able to, to, to get your point across on a conference call. You got to be able to sell yourself if you're going to sponsors. You got to be able to speak, stand up and speak on a podium in front of, in a big meeting. These are all things you do when you play basketball. You speak for the media. You play in front of billions of thousands of people on the court and, and in TV. So there's a lot of pressure. So learning these transferable traits and bringing it to the business world, that's how you thrive. Some guys don't know how to transfer it though. Mm-hmm. Some guys think they're just stuck in the basketball on the 94 feet, which is the basketball court. When you learn to transfer it, which I learned at a young age because of Arizona State, my last year, my coach not playing me, I learned, okay, I got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. I got to transfer what I learned from the court into the business field. Like, and that's what, that's what, that's why I say Arizona State was the best for me. Mm-hmm. Regardless if I didn't play my last year, it was my best opportunity to be a business manager to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. You're pretty close with, uh, James Harden, right? Yeah. How did you, how did that relationship develop? Well, James, James is a brother to me, man. When, when I was a freshman, I was a senior in school. So I kind of played kind of the big brother role, even though I wasn't playing a lot in practice. Um, we'd work out together. Um, I'd push him, push him towards limits. I figured if I'm not going to be, get an opportunity to make it, you got to make it. Mm-hmm. So, um, James, uh, was extremely hard worker. We have a lot of similarities in terms of music, in terms of being creative. And then we just built a bond that I'm um, through college that was pretty much unbreakable till now. Um, so that's how the relationship started through college and, um, it's grown since then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How do you think, uh, James Harden's doing right now in the, in the NBA? Like, uh, I think he, I, I think he, uh, first off, I'm super proud of him. I feel like he surpassed all of the goals that he probably set out individually. Um, especially from, from going from a six man to being an MVP is, is something that no one can downplay. And I feel like, um, right now he's going into a point of his career where he's doing a lot of learning, uh, in terms of how to push through the, the last threshold in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And once he figures that niche out, which he will, cause that's how he is, um, he probably won't get two or three rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I feel like he's going through an adjustment period of like figuring things out. In terms of the team and the spectrum individually, he's fine, but figuring out the best way he can lead these guys and which is, which is the best process to be a part of. Um, learning to be, learning to be the best leader you can be. And every single day is, is an evolving process. Last year was a lot easier for the team because they got off to a quick start. Um, this year they haven't gotten, gotten off to that good of a start, but I feel like it's all about how you finish. Mm-hmm. Um, you get off to a quick start this year and you finish bad, then who cares? Yeah. You get off to a bad start this year and you get that shit out of the way. It's a much better opportunity for you guys in the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how you finish, man. It's figuring out the best way to be a best leader for him. And I know he'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So you finished college and then did you you play professional basketball afterwards? Yeah. Where was that? So I played um I played in a couple of spaces. I played my first contract was Poland. I played in Mexico for two or three years, which I enjoyed probably the most. I played in Carmargo and um and Monterrey, which are amazing cities. Um Carmargo is very, very close to Juarez, which is a very, very dangerous city in Mexico, but I, I loved it. The people were amazing. Um from there I went to Colombia. After Colombia, I went to Lebanon for probably three or four months. Um, and from there, I played in China um, for a tour and like a couple other months. And then I finished my career in the NBL Canada with London Lightning where we won the championship. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Jeez, man, you're seasoned. Like you've, you've had a lot of experiences. And I yeah. find like a lot of times when you have those experiences and you get them out of the way early, um, it sets you up for success later down the road. And I think that's the path that you're, you're on right now. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, the reason why I had opportunity to get these experience, I wasn't ever afraid to take a chance. Like even when I went to go play for London Lightning before it was frowned upon to play like, to be like a Canadian playing in the NBL. People be like, yo, you're playing in the NBL. Why? Because I want to play close to home where, you know, I can thrive in a new up- upcoming league. And after we won a championship, everyone starts coming to play in the NBL. You can't be afraid to take chances. So I feel like um I embrace every experience. Um I go with every experience with a clean slate. And I feel like that has helped me um mature and mm-hmm. evolve um rapidly at a rapid rate. Okay. Yeah. So after you finished sort of your basketball career, what was your next immediate venture? Like what was on your mind? Um on my mind um immediately was always even during my basketball career was always finding a way to give back to the next generation in my community. So their path can be easier than mine and teaching them, giving them information that can help them transition from high school to college, from college to the pros seamlessly. And even if you're not a basketball player, helping you um, transfer these traits that you're learning, um, doing anything, whether it's music, whether it's you want to be a lawyer, whether you want to be a creative director, whatever you want to do, it's helping people um, transfer these, these, these skills that they acquire um, just by doing the chores at home. Like learning that 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 discipline, like how about people figure out what they're what they're what they're good at, how to attack their passion and um, be great at it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I kind of like, and I always was into fashion. So um, I kind of started like playing around with a couple of fashion stuff and got my my fashion line off, ball noir designs at the time, and I started doing community work. I got a non for profit called Youth R Us, and our first event was kind of like um, partnering with a a friend of mine called Richard Frempong, and we did like the first ever Henry Carr alumni game like five, six years ago. And that was like the first time I did like an event. And from there, this kind of steamrolled on. Domino R- effect. Richard Frempong, the one from Brampton? That one? Oh, I'm not sure he lives in Brampton now, but he used to live in Rexdale. He does okay. events as well too. Okay. Like he does like comedy shows, everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. So like with the North to North brand, is, is the, what's the main focus of it? What's the main like well, message? The ethos of like noir and noir is basically um, is black on black excellence, you know. So now not just not just the color, just in terms of um, the mind state, understanding who you are, um, trying to do everything at the highest potential, mm. over and over again, which is excellence, being consistent um, in everything you do and taking chances. So in, in, in noir and noir is in terms of it's a one stop shop. So if you wanna if you want consulting, you can get it. If you want brand. Consulting, if you want to run, if you want to do an event, if you want merchandise, whatever you need, we have it. So that was the, and, and we have 
probably the best merch I feel like coming out in the city. We did a collaboration with Champion. So shout out to Champion. So I feel like we have whatever you need in one stop shop. And there's not really no, there's no boxes for Noir and Noir. If you're in a box, only time you should be in a box when you die. So mm-hmm. the way we work is like, whatever you need, we can help you with. And then we do a lot of community work and we do a lot of stuff that we feel is going to push the culture forward. So we really need to take those chances. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is too, like, I feel like a lot of people there, they feel like they might not, um, have the right connections or they might, but a lot of times, you know, the move, the, the next person that you need to get to where you need to get to is like a phone call away. Right. But they're not able to like, Think about it. They're not able. It seems like you, you're someone who really leverages their environment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. the thing is, what a lot of people don't realize is it's either you're leveraging your environment or you're getting leveraged. Mm. It's two, that's just the bottom line. That's business 101. And my network didn't grow overnight. Like if I met someone through text or through phone call or through email, the next two emails or next two texts, I'm asking them, where are they located? Oh, you're in North Carolina. Okay. I'm going to invest in myself. I'll meet you face to face. I'll come there. So now, in turn, you meeting them face to face, their network becomes your network because mm-hmm. they start looking at you like, you know what, this guy's serious. Matter of fact, let me connect you with someone else that I know that's in North Carolina that you that'd be great for you to meet while you're here. Now that that network becomes yours. Now you're just building and building. And the thing is, um, when I go into these build these relationships, it's not it's not um the reward and cost of a relationship is not swaying. Meaning, I'm giving and they're giving, and we're both we're both receiving. So we're both benefiting from the relationship. I don't go into relationships trying to take. I go into a relationship first. How can I benefit you? Mm-hmm. And then we move from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you created North to North. So what's what's next for your brand? What's next for your company? Um, for my brand, we have um, we've been doing a lot of um, Afrobeat pop up shops in Houston. Nice. Um, with like DJ Tunes and uh, a bunch of other artists and people in Houston. And uh, one of my good friends, Ro, I partner with her. She has a great consulting business in Houston as well. We have a dinner series coming up with um, Remy Martin um, for nice. a lot of the NBA guys in Houston. We're going to do some in Houston, some in New York. Um, we have a major, major event coming with the um, NBA Players Association um, for Martin Luther King weekend, um, January 21st, January 19th to the 21st. It's going to be pretty, pretty big with um, some young stars that I'm, I'm, I'm running their brand now and um, taking care of them. So that's going to be big. It's going to be a great give back. To the city of New York, and then we have some that we call invite only um, that we do with Ball is Life, and we get like the top fifteen to twenty high school phenoms, uh, and we have like a Hall of Famer come through and give them some mentorship. We add Xbox in there, have a two K tournament, and we do some basketball and skills training for like a weekend, and we give them a lot of information that can help them kind of transfer to the next level. And then we just launch this um, collaboration with Champion for the fall and the winter. Um, so basically, that's what we have coming up. We have some bigger stuff coming in in the the new year as well. So we're just constantly evolving, Mm -hmm. constantly evolving, looking for the next opportunity and looking for um, a way to reach people that no one else is doing, Mm -hmm. creating experiences. You got to have a dual citizenship. Not really. I just do what I want to do. Yeah. They don't really mess with me. I got got my education in Arizona um, and I'm born in Toronto, born in Canada. I don't really, they don't really mess with me at the border. Okay. You got all love. It's relationships too. Yeah. You got to know how to deal with people. When you go to the border, if you go in there hostile, they're probably going, probably not going to like it. I go, I go border control and all that stuff for, oh, we have a great relationship. Like they, I got like, um, next, next, next summer and all that and walk right through. They, they don't bother me. We good. Nice. 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 Um, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who want to start their own brand? Um, 
but they're unsure of what direction to take. Cause you know, when you, when you're starting out at a young age too, especially as an entrepreneur, there's so, especially with social media, there's so many different methods to go about starting your own business. Yeah. Right. What advice would you give to that individual? Um, I think, um, the first bit of advice I would see is, um, I would say is seek out some individuals or some people that you feel have been very, very successful in what they do. Um, you don't have to know them and, and research them, research their path and research what they've done. And then you'll see a lot of similarities to where you're at when they first started. And that'll probably give you a lot of motivation to get started. Um, the biggest thing is don't be afraid to fail. You're going to fail at first. You're supposed to, the more you fail, the more you'll be able to learn. Um, just, just put your foot down and go do it. Like, don't be afraid of that. That's the best part of the journey is failing at first. Um, Cause when you fail, you learn from your, from your lessons and you continue to evolve and get better. That's the best advice you can get because everyone has failed. Um, Jay-Z didn't become Jay-Z by not failing. Um, Virgil Abloh didn't become Virgil Abloh by not failing. All these guys who are extremely successful failed a lot at first and went through a lot of adversity. So get that out of the way now so you have a, a, a better learning curve and you're headed away instead of being behind it. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you, whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to iamkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. What is your purpose as an entrepreneur? Um, my purpose as an entrepreneur is to do what I'm passionate about and do what I love and monetize it. That's my purpose. And to teach other people how to do that. That's my purpose, period. Like, there's nothing else in around it. 100%. I love that. I love that. Cause it's, it's basically mine too, man. Per- yeah. That's all I gotta yeah. be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? I read a lot. Um, I read an hour before I sleep and an hour when I wake up. So the first thing I do, I don't look at my phone. Um, I don't do anything. When Once I wake up, I read for an hour. So I set an alarm sometimes, even if I'm on the road. If I know I gotta be up by seven, I'll get up at five, read for an hour from five to six and then get my day started. Before I go to sleep, I read from 45 minutes to an hour, which in terms works my brain and it, um, it helps me, um, plan my days up because my, my brain is already working and I'm already, um, I'm just already ready to function. Like I'm sharp. I'm sharper every single day. Working those are just like my working your mind is just like working your body. It's the same, same exact thing. If you want to get, if you want to be a bodybuilder or a weightlifter and you want to work these muscles, you got to work the muscles in your brain too. The same exact way if you want to evolve. If you want to get better at anything. So it don't have to be a specific thing I'm reading. It's the fact that I'm reading. I'm working my mind. So that's the main thing I felt like has helped me transcend from being like okay or good to be like superior or great right now at what I do. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? Probably Jay-Z. Probably Jay-Z. We're both Sagittarius. And, um, I, just, I just love the way Jay-Z constantly evolved over his career. He went from being just an artist to being an executive, to not just being an executive, to um, running his own company, to not just running his own company, to running his own, to, to establishing title wave, title, and then from not just title to do, to jumping into 
Rock Nation, which is sports, management, entertainment, etc. Just the list goes on. He's always evolving. He's always on the next move. So just picking his brain and seeing uh, what motivated him to always stay ahead of the wave. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Um, my main strategy for organizing my day is organizing my day ahead of time. I organize my Mondays on Saturdays. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always ahead of so I'm I'm organizing Wednesday on Monday. I'm always two days ahead. So now I leave room for changes. And so I have to adapt to something. I'll be ready on Tuesday to adapt on Wednesday. So I always try to be ahead of schedule. Um, the main thing while you're organizing, you have to be able to leave room to plan or leave room for adjustments. Um, something may change. So you have to be able to be like, I can adapt with that. But some things are like for certain that you can adapt with. Some things are concrete and set in stone. So I try to always be two, three days ahead of everything. My reminder list on my phone is ridiculous. Like my <laughs> reminder list is crazy. Like 30 things every single day. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Oh, my worst entrepreneurial moment was probably over the past summer where I had a major, major event. Um, and I kind of didn't do my just do in terms of claiming it as my own. I let, I let it be taken from me. And I feel like it was my worst, but it was my best opportunity because I learned so much from putting so much work into something and haven't seen it go away or be taken from you. You learn to protect everything you do. Learn to protect your ideas. Learn to get everything in paper. Like that's why I needed to learn that now. So now moving forward, I know that that's how I got to deal with champion. Mm-hmm. I protected my ideas. I protected what I was doing. I protected my intellectual property. Before then, I was just giving out ideas and doing things like, oh yeah, knowing like it's gonna come back in the back end. No, especially dealing with Americans, they don't work that way. They don't work that way. So you gotta learn that the hard way, and I learned it the hard way, which was the best blessing. Okay. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? With only a hundred dollars? Yeah. Well, I can build a business with zero dollars, so I'm not really worried about the hundred. Um, I can build a I can build a business with a lot of relationship equity, with a lot of my contacts, with a lot of my network, where I get a lot of things in kind. I'm gonna spend a dollar because I have someone who can who can make so apparel for me for free because our relationship. I got someone I can fly out. If I need to fly out, I can call someone from American Airlines. They'll get me a flight. I can call someone at the Four Seasons. They'll get me a hotel. So I'll be able to travel and move how I want to move or do whatever I want to do because of my relationships. So $100, I'll probably just use that to eat. I'm going to about $100. <laughs> a lot of this stuff comes off relationship equity for me. So, um, And I've built great relationships so I can do that. In turn, they'll get it back in whatever way possible. But $100 is not going to be an issue. I really, a lot of my business moves are not based off monetary. A lot of them are based off relationship. I hear that a lot, man. I hear that too often. It's, it's a good, it's good for, um, our listeners to hear that because a lot of them think they're not, there's, it's, it's enabled, they're, they're not able to start a business because they can't afford it. No, but <laughs> that's completely false. Yeah. Affording a business. If, okay. Prime example, would you rather have a million dollars and a thousand dollar network? Or have a thousand dollars and a two million dollar network. Who do you think is more successful? Who do you think who do you think can do more things? Because when you have a million dollars and you have a thousand dollar network, you really don't got much. You got a million dollars, that's it. If you got a thousand dollars, but you got a two million dollar network, you can move. You can do anything you want mm-hmm. because your network is helping you. So the biggest thing for people who want to start businesses is build relationships. Get build your network. Go out and meet people. Go out and shake hands and kiss babies, meet people, talk to people, let people know what you're about, let people know about your vision and find like-minded people like you and find people who've done what you want to do and use them as mentors and they'll help you get where you want to go. That's the easiest way to do it. You don't got to spend no money for that. 
True. Unless it's gas money or something small like that. You may yeah. have to pay for a couple of dinners, but that's easy. Mm-hmm. You don't got to put that directly into your business. That's not going to do it for you. That's true. That's true, man. Well said. Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Hmm. Which app or online tool? Right now, it's probably, I would have to say Instagram because I think Instagram keeps me connected to what's going on um, in terms of paying attention to what people are doing and pay attention to what the social media culture is pushing. You know, sorry, not Instagram. I'm going to say YouTube. If YouTube is a, it counts as an app. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. YouTube, YouTube, because I do a lot of research on YouTube. I'm, I, if I'm not reading books, I'm watching interviews on people I think are very successful. And then I'm watching interviews on people who were not successful on what they did wrong and how I cannot do that. So that's my whole day is YouTube and YouTube reading books and sometimes Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Have you, um, are you subscribed to, um, you know, Patrick Bed David? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. He, he does a lot of like solid interviews. Yeah, he does. He yeah. does great interviews for yeah. sure. I check him out a lot of time. Yeah. Him and Breakfast Club and sometimes I got my good friends at Complex. Shout out Damien Scott. I do, I watch a lot of the blueprint interviews that he's done. Okay. Um, yeah, those type, I'm, I'm always into that. Okay. What is the best advice you've ever received? Um, the best advice I've ever received was probably from, um, one of my mentors, Mr. Matthew Knowles, um, he said, always be like water. Always be adaptable. Don't ever put anything in concrete, say anything in stone, except your integrity. Always be like water. Things can change at any minute. Always be adaptable. Don't, don't be stuck in your ways. Don't let your ego get, a, and get, a, get ahead of yourself. So, and that has helped me so much this year. Um, there's so many things that I've planned and literally all the way up to like the date of it or the two days before, I'll have to, Strategize and think, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is not the right time for this. Let me switch this around. And everyone would be like, why do you switch it around? I'm like, cause I felt it. I wanted to adapt. And two weeks later, it paid off. Like, okay. Yeah. That was a great move. Cause I was thinking, let me be adaptable. Let me be like water. So it was great advice from him. Okay. List your top three most influential books. Okay. Um, the Alchemist. Sorry, not Alchemist. Number one. Um, the Autobiography of Malcolm X. Number one. Alchemist. Probably number two. Daughter Barker or Malcolm X by, um, which one? The one by Hayes. Um, Hayes. What's his first name again? The, f- the first one. The, the main, first one. The okay. Main one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I forgot his name. I can't believe I forgot his name. I read so many books this year. I forgot his name. But his last name is Hayes. Autobiography of Malcolm X. Malcolm X is like one of my heroes passed on from my father. So Autobiography of Malcolm X, um, was very influential. It was one of the first books I read that grabbed me. Um, Alchemist was a book I read in China which was kind of changed my life in terms of mentality. And then this year I read a book called um, The Monk That Sold His Ferrari. It's very similar to The Alchemist. Um, it's an amazing story about just understanding it, learning that the material things are not really going to push you forward and learning to uh, pay more attention to your body and your mind and your soul. And um, that's going to transcend you to the next level. So that was a great book. But I've read... 53 books this year, so it's a lot of books. Jeez. A lot of books in my, a lot of books and a lot of authors that I probably can't even remember. But, um, yeah, those are the three, my three top right now. For right now, it may change. Bobby Brown's book I read this year was amazing. Yeah, really? Your amazing book. Amazing. He had a crazy life. Um, amazing book. Bobby Brown, Autobiography was great. It's called Every Little Step. A lot of people forget that guy was around his time. He was like a king. Like, he's, he's, he's the, <laughs> not even Chris Brown, but when Chris Brown was hot, 
he was hotter than Chris Brown. Yeah, yeah. He was the only thing doing what he was doing. Yeah. Like, he was the first R&B thug. Like, <laughs> rapping, singing, doing all that stuff, living a fast lifestyle. Before him, R&B singers learned, was supposed to be, like, the soft guys, to be, like, you know, not getting in trouble. You know, he was living that lifestyle. He was really... His best friend was Mike Tyson. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Like, the reason why Mike Tyson lost the fight to Buster Douglas, they were partying in Japan. Jeez. The night before, with Bobby. <laughs> with Bobby. You know, when Bobby lost, when Mike lost the fight, Bobby cried the whole night. Really? Because he's like, end up losing. So, like, Bobby had a crazy life. It's a great book. Pick it up if you get a chance. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. You don't need money to start business. That's the biggest thing we spoke, we, we touched on it earlier. You don't need money. You need relationships. You need a network. Um, you need to learn to leverage your network. Um, cause like I said earlier, it's either you're leveraging or you're being leveraged. Um, that's the main key of to business period. People who have money don't use their money. These guys who have millions don't use nothing. They know, if I have a million, if I have a, um, if I'm a multimillionaire, I know other multimillionaires and they're great in their field. So let's say I want to go to, go on a vacation, um, to a cottage or somewhere in Mexico. One of my best friends probably owns a house in Mexico. So I don't got to spend a dollar on that. I'll call him, tell him I want to take my family there. And one of my other best friends probably owns a private jet company. I'll call my other friend. I get on a private jet with my family, go to Mexico, and we didn't spend no money. That's mm-hmm. my network. A lot of people think you got to start, you, you need money to start. Money is cool, but liquid money is only going to take you so far. You need relationships. And that's going to push you to the next level. And when you learn that, you go a lot further. Mm-hmm. 100%. That reminds me of what my, my cousin Bobby said. He said, um, the people who are wealthy, they're not wealthy. Um, they're only wealthy because they don't have to spend. They don't have to spend nothing. <laughs> yeah. They don't spend. That's when you see the wealthy people, how they dress. They wear a regular t-shirt and some jeans. Like they're mm-hmm. not worried about spending anything. Like they don't care about that because they're rela- their network. Everyone around them is wealthy. You don't got to spend. So, yeah. or, or if they spend, they're spending minimal. Yeah. They're spending minimal, you know, so that's, that's the key. And when you learn that, you can kind of, uh, probably go further than you probably would think. But a lot of people don't grasp that yet because they think it's like a saying. They don't really know it's like the truth. Saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. They think it's like, oh, yeah, you're just saying that because everyone says that. Or because you're in your position, you know, so-and-so, you can say that. But that's not the truth. Because sometimes it hinders you when you know these NBA players because people already assume that you have this success or you already assume that you have money from being in a relationship with the NBA player or being an associate of someone from the association. The player association, whatever the case may be. So sometimes that hinders you. So you have to literally build relationships organically, like from the ground up. And that takes time. People are rushing so much. People think like Noir and Noir started as Ball Noir like six, seven years ago. Now we're doing collaboration with Champion. That's patience. That's, that's staying the course with what you believe in. Now we have the opportunity to work with the NBA Player Association. Now we can do major events with Ballers Life for our major content providers. Now what is, I just locked in a deal with Reach TV. Reach TV is what you see in the airports, what you see in the hotels. You, it's automatic. Mm-hmm. They're like the biggest content provider, period, in the world. They're in every single airport, every single country. Just locked in a deal for content with them for, for events or, or for some, or players I'm working with, et cetera. Anything that's connected with me, we're going to work together with. But that's just, this is patience. This is like, Building and having a solid foundation just to stand on. This is without no cosign. Like people think, if you're around an NBA player, you're gonna cosign or an artist. They're, no, they're doing their own. They're doing their own thing. So you got to be able to establish up in your own. You don't want to be known as your so and so's friend. You have. You want to be known as your name. You want to be known as who you are as a solo entity. Mm. And that's the hardest thing that people don't understand. 
They think that if you're around celebrity or you're around celebrities, you will get a better opportunity to stand out. No, they don't even see you anymore. Like your his friend, okay, cool. Where's he at? That's how they do it. Yeah. Simple. They don't care. So people got to understand, like, you have to really build yourself and meet people and build relationships the right way organically in order to be successful. Okay. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? Yeah. Um, the last piece of value I probably leave with listeners is um, don't be afraid to fail, first and foremost, and invest in yourself. A lot. Like you guys, people rather invest in PlayStation 4, NBA 2K, and Fortnite, and Gucci, and, and Givenchy. You guys don't know these guys. You don't know who these guys are. And Off White, y'all have never met Virgil Abloh, but you're investing in Off White and all these different things. Invest in some books. Invest, invest in some healthcare. Invest in, 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 in doing something to make your temple right. Like mind, body, and soul. Like invest in that first, and then you'll transcend. Then you can go somewhere. But before you do that, you're not, everything else is just a mask. You're just covering up your imperfections mm-hmm. and invest, figure out ways to invest in yourself to be the best you and then see what happens. But that's what I've done. I've invested to be, and I'm still on the path of continuing to invest in myself. So find that path, invest in yourself and everything else will be easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just one more point. I remember like your, um, your logo. So the, the ball, the ball to nor um, brand you had, you had the T. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because. That image just stays in my mind. Like it was everywhere, right. man. Like it was, it was everywhere. I never even met you in my life <laughs> until now today. Okay, yeah. But like that image was like engraved in my mind. And then later on, I seen other brands doing something similar. Right. But like I always knew you were the first one to do it. Right. And everyone always knew you were the first one to do it. 100%. Right. So it's just interesting to see like how, um, you've evolved. But anyone who might be doing that t-shirt or what you're doing, it's, they're still stagnant because it's not really who they are, so right. to speak. You know what I mean? So 100%. It's, it's interesting that I'm just thinking about that now. Like that, that image is stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, when I, I actually created that image, that was one of the first logos I ever created in my life. And I just want, I was in Arizona when I created it. And I want to do something to represent my city that everywhere I go, people know I'm from Toronto. And I put the skyline and the T and I put the dot beside it. So it's like, if you look at it, you'd be like, what is that? You'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. T dot. It must be Toronto. And a lot of people try to duplicate, try to emulate it and do things like that. That's why I kind of transitioned, um, to leave that behind and do other things, but I'm going to bring it back later on. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great point. And what I did was I was in the streets. I was really hand to hand t-shirts, hoodies, crew necks in my trunk, drive. If you had, if you had, you had a sale, I was coming to your house to, to drop it off personally, not through the mail, build that relationship. With mm-hmm. that relationship, so they can see me, they can understand who I am. It's different when you can say, "Oh yeah, this shirt I got, I know the owner who owns it. I can connect you with him." Versus, "Oh yeah, I got it online." It's a different relationship. It's a different building. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? Um, the easiest way to reach out, um, follow me on Instagram is Noir at Noir N O I R E T N O I R E. Um. Facebook, I'm there as well. Um, my first and last name, entry at Um, and my email is usually there too. And so we had Noir and Noir Gmail. Um, that's the easiest way to follow me. And, um, yeah, I'm very easy, easily to be reached. I'm accessible. You, you DM me, I usually respond. I'm not one of those people that don't respond to people. So, um, I'm easy to be reached that way. I can attest to that, man. I, you responded really fast. Yeah, to me. for sure. <laughs> I know, I, I know what it is. I know what it is. And, um, it's always going to be that way. 
it's always going to be that way because you never know who you're helping and you never know where someone's going to be. Like, I've been there. Trust me, I've seen NBA stars who weren't NBA stars yet who are now running the NBA. And I've been around them in the beginning. I know how they treated people. So why would I treat people different? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about how you treat people. Mm-hmm. I treat the janitor like the principal. Yeah. You know, so prime example. Um, so when I walk into the arena, like the Air Canada Center or the Scotia Bank or like the Houston Toyota Center or from in Oklahoma or in, in Phoenix, I shake everyone's hand around the building. First name. I know the people first name basis for the past three, four years because I understand the people around the building are more important than the people on the court. People on the court, they can get traded. People around the building want to make the building go. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. when these people are leave, guess who's gonna still be there? The people around the building. Mm-hmm. So these are the relationships that I have. I don't need. I don't even need a ticket for half of these games. Wow. I can just walk to the arena and be like, "We're so and so." Be like, "Come with me. Who are you with? Where you want to sit today?" That's how it is. Wow. Because I build relationships with them and I know them first name basis. It's not like fake relationship. It's actually organic. How's your family doing? I know if they have kids or not. I remember these things. This is key information you gotta know mm-hmm. if you really want to like get far in life. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. Like if I knew the janitor in high school, that helped me get to get to college because the janitor would open the door for me on Sundays. Mm. On Sundays at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., the janitor would open the door for me. I'd come to the gym with two of my boys and my girlfriend, and they would rebound for me. And I'd work on my game in the gym with no one there, only the janitor. So things of that was key. Wow, that's that's a powerful story. Yeah, for sure. That's a powerful story. Um how do you remember? Is there a technique you use to remember these names? Cause I'm like, I'm trying to work on that myself. You know what I mean? Remembering people's names or remembering specific moments so that when you see that person again, you can build that connection. Like, is there a technique you use for that? Or it's just something that you've sort of grown to, to learn how to do. I've grown to learn how to do it because I see everyone as important. Okay. Prime example, if you were to meet someone and let's say it was. Let's say it was Daryl Morey who's like runs like the Houston Rockets. Or let's say you met um you met you met who can we say? We say Future, who's like Drake's DJ, and he told you his first name. You're gonna remember his first name because you know this guy's an important person. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna forget it. You're gonna make sure you remember it. Mm-hmm. So you gotta view everyone the same way. Okay. Like, I gotta remember this first because this person's important. You mm-hmm. can't look, okay, I'm, I know you today and I don't really need to talk to so you know. You gotta put in your mind, everyone's important. Because you don't know when someone can help. You don't know when you can help someone. You don't know where someone's going to be. That's the, People forget that. Like A lot of people think, like, okay, you're important now, so I got to know your name. But the person that was right beside you, I don't even know who you are. Don't work like that. Don't work that way. You got to remember things. That's the key. And that's what reading does. Reading helps your memory. Like, my memory is amazing because I read so much. And I learned when that skill increased, my memory increased. So that's the key. Like, it's different when you're going to, like, if you're in L.A. and you're going to catch and catch sometimes when like they pick and choose who can come inside the restaurant. It's different when you're going to the front, like, yo, Albert, come on, man, this is me. Oh, my bad, come through. Like, you know, first name basis. Even if I met him one time, I remember. He may not remember, but I remember. once you say that name, okay, I remember you from somewhere. You're in. Like, things like that is like key. If you want to build the right way. Okay. Yeah. Jeez, powerful stuff, man. And Sweet, thank you for coming on the show today, man. Appreciate no it. Thanks for having me, man. It was a pleasure. No worries. For sure. Thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life. 
and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at iamkobe.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to iamkobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Wrights for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Ah, ah, ah.